this morning, Father, even as we, Lord, meditate upon your, meditate upon your word, I pray, Lord, that you would grant us the grace to understand your word, grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation, pour out your spirit upon us, Father, open up the scriptures that, you, that we'll be able to understand clearly in these last days, O oh Lord, what you're trying to speak to your church. Father, prepare, prepare us, O oh Lord, for the coming days. We have not been this way before. And we trust, O oh Lord, that you who called us is faithful and you will also accomplish it. And therefore, O oh Lord, we want to prepare ourselves. And therefore, this morning, I pray that you would wash us by the water of your word, cleanse us, sanctify us, so that, Lord, that we will be able to Understand, O oh Lord, <laughs> your heart, your vision, and your spirit, even during this last hour of time. To that end, I pray that you would bless and anoint the speaking and the hearing of this word. We thank you, we praise you. For in Jesus' name, amen. If you can turn to Acts chapter 2, verses 36 to 42, we'll look, look at seven verses. Acts chapter 2, verses 36 to 42. And uh, we will delve into our meditation this morning. Therefore, Acts chapter 2, verses 36 to 42. It says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know, assuredly, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the, baking of, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. We've been looking at the importance of hearing and responding to what we hear. We have to hear and we have to respond. That's what we've been exhorted to all these days. One verse which we will won't be constantly, by and large, I think invariably, every meeting we look at is Romans chapter 10, verse 17. We know this verse very well by this time. Consequently, or so then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Um, other translations will use the word, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message heard through the word about Christ. It's okay, you don't have to turn there, but this is the word of Christ. So once we hear, faith comes, and of course faith has a corresponding action, right? And that's precisely what James chapter 2, verses 19 to 25 will say. Uh, we're not uh, meditating upon these, but we're just trying to set the premise. You believe then there is one God, you, well, you do well, even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? You got that? 
And then again, chapter 1, verses 22, sorry, uh, 21, 21 to 24, 21 to 25, thank you, sorry. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow, or overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So hear with meekness, receive with meekness. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. But the one, the best way that we will all deceive ourselves uh, is, by, is by thinking that because we have heard, we are justified and we are, we are good. Yes, faith comes by hearing, but that particular hearing has a corresponding action. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets. This is, the re- this is the reason why you deceive yourselves. You immediately forget. This is exactly like the word planted on this hard soil. Remember? The hard soil, immediately the birds of the air have come and taken the word and it will not bring any fruit in their lives. So for he observes himself, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of a man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So you have hmm, faith comes by hearing. Faith without works is dead. And therefore you have a corresponding work which accompanies the hearing. So these two go hand in hand. And these two things that we have to hold on to, these two actions, hearing, obeying, hearing, obeying, hearing, more hearing, more obeying. The more you hear, the more you will obey. And and the more you will hear, more, better. In fact, it becomes clearer and clearer. Like, you know, uh, in any class, the first class, you hear, understand, do your assignments, you hear better in the next class. You don't do anything, the next class... Everything is a bouncer. I mean, not a bouncer. Maybe you'll understand a little by the third semester, third class in the, in the semester, you say, I'm dropping the course. Uh, that's precisely what happens to many people in the you know, universities. You know, they add a course and then there's a drop deadline. Before the drop deadline, they go, they're all excited to hear all the beautiful concepts. The first class, they're all excited. Second class, uh, less, less excitement. And by the third class, it's all taken away. So they say, I'm dropping the course. Or they will audit the course. They will not credit it. Audit means I will just keep hearing. Okay. So there's no auditing in the kingdom of God. There's only crediting. And faith without works is dead. So constantly keep doing it. What is the importance of this exercise? Why is it so crucial for every believer? Especially in these last days. Because all of us have to individually hear from God. All of us. We know that even though we are a body of believers, we are individual members of that body and everyone has to specifically hear from God continuously. Alright, it's absolutely crucial. So don't ever negate this. Okay, my pastor will hear for me. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. The message, the, the, the purpose of the whole teaching ministry is that, that you have a mental preparation so that you can hear from God yourself. God should be able to speak to you. My sheep hear my voice is the exhortation, right? Therefore, this is crucial in, the, in, the, in, the, in, in these last days. Why? Because of, the, of a warning in the scripture. I want to I look at this warning very carefully this morning. If you t- turn to Amos chapter 8 verses 11 and 12, look at what it says. Amos chapter 8 
verses 11 and 12. <clears throat> Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. What a tremendous warning. Tremendous warning. Now, why is this warning given in scripture? They'll be wandering from sea to sea. I mean, in fact, there'll be a thirst. I mean, there'll be a wanting to know what the voice of God is and what is what is the Lord wanting to uh, speak, but they don't, they're not able to hear. It's not because of the word of the Lord. The word of God is not available in printed form. I'm sure it will be possibly made available. I'm not sure. Maybe that will also be taken off. But it's not just that. It's not that the word is not available in terms of printed form. Or maybe there are not messages being preached. Or etc, etc, etc. It's not because the word of the Lord is not available. Word of God is not available or the commentaries or any such thing. But still... People will not be able to hear the true word of God which will satisfy their hunger and quench their thirst. Truly. So truly sad. That means they will not be... Okay, okay they, may, they, they might listen to a message, but that message does not satisfy them. It might not quench their thirst. And the question is why? Why is it that they are not able to hear the words of the Lord? Word of God. The word of the Lord is not, you're, they're not able to hear. It's somehow, it's as if God has withheld truth from them. And he's got every right to do it. The answer is given in scripture itself. You turn to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20 to 23. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20 to 23. Look at look at certain very interesting truths. This is like a old, I mean, new covenant book in the old covenant. Okay, Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses at the openings of the gates in the city. She speaks her words. So there will be a time where the Lord will keep on speaking. Okay. And he says, how long, you simple ones, will you love your simplicity? Your scorners delight in your scorning and fools hate knowledge. Three categories of people. They have simple ones, they are scorners and fools. And then he says, verse 23, turn for at my rebuke, surely I will pour out my spirit on you and then I will make my words known to you. What will be, how will you be able to hear the words of God when God pours out his spirit? That is a, that is a key. The reason why people will be running to and fro and not be able to hear the words of God is simply because there is a lack of the Holy Spirit in their lives. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is not there. He's withdrawn. He who hears, let him hear what the Spirit has to say. It's not, I'll be speaking. In fact, it could the person who's preaching the word could be one of the most anointed speakers. He's, he's under the anointing and the unction and the authority of the Holy Spirit. But you could be one guy who's taking notes like a Pharisee, but the word of the Lord not touching you. It says in Luke's Gospel chapter 5, you don't have to turn there. Jesus, people came from all around Galilee and Jesus was preaching and it says the, the power of the Lord was available to save them, to heal them. Every 
everybody was taking notes and the power of the Lord was absolutely there to heal them. But the power of God is not touching them, not because of the lack of the word, the very logos of the word of God. The logos of God is right there in their midst, expounding the scriptures, but the people are absolutely untouched because, you know what, the spirit has been withdrawn from their lives and they are not able to understand. The problem is they become a hindrance too. Somebody wants to come in to get healed. <laughs> and those fellows, poor fellows have to go and remove the roof and put him down. And Jesus looks at the guy, I mean looks at the, looks at the faith of these guys and he looks at the king, that, that, uh, that, that, that man and he says, son your sins are forgiven you. And at that moment everybody don't, doesn't understand still the word of God. Who is he who is speaking such blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God? And Jesus says, is it easy to say, pick up your mat and walk? Or is it easy to say, your sins are forgiven? Which is easy? See, the power is available. The power is there. The anointing is there. I mean, right there, the word of God under the... hmm. Jesus was filled without measure by the Holy Spirit, right? Without measure. Fullness of God had dwelt in him bodily. <laughs> and that very fullness of God was expounding the scriptures and not the, the power of the Lord was available and not one guy was touched. Why? Simply because they were people who resist the Holy Spirit. Therefore the prayer always is grant us the spirit of wisdom. It's not just wisdom and revelation. Grant us Lord the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It is not just revelation and wisdom. Yes, we need revelation, but more importantly, we need the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's a prayer. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 onwards, if you, if you will, 15 to 17. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And what is my prayer? That... The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And what does Hosea 4.6 say? My people perish because of the lack of knowledge. And why do they not have knowledge? It's because they do not have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding Therefore, verse 18 will say, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Okay. Literally, you have been batti jal gaya. Okay. And that you may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. This is what, that is the reason why we constantly ask God, God grant us a spirit. So what, why is there a famine of the word of God? Simply because the Holy Spirit has been slowly withdrawn from people's life and they run to and fro and there is no quenching of thirst nor a satisfaction of hunger but running here and there from wandering from sea to sea, north to east. You are literally become like Satan now. <laughs> running to and fro. Therefore, all the warnings in the new covenant, we know. Don't grieve the spirit. Don't quench the spirit. Don't lie to the spirit. Don't resist the spirit. Don't insult the spirit of grace. Because if he is gone, famine. I believe that's what happened in during the days of Elijah and Ahab. Lord, withhold your spirit for three and a half years. 
and there was a famine. Okay, that was that's a physical famine, but precisely it was a famine because there was no word. It says in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, there was no widespread revelation in those days. The word of the Lord was very rare. Why? Because there was no respect for the word of God and the spirit of the Lord has been withdrawn. And people, they have a famine of the word of God. They have famine of hearing the words of God simply because no spirit. Therefore, Second Thessalonians chapter 6, chapter 2, verses 6 onwards will say, 6 to 9, if you will. 6 to 11, you can read those entire chapter. Uh, 6 to 12, in fact. And now you know what is restraining. Who is restraining, therefore? That he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And who is the restrainer? He is the Holy Spirit. He is the one who is restraining. He will be taken out of the way. And then what happens? The moment he is taken out of the way, the moment he is taken out of the way, the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all powers, signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception. It's not just deception. It's unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of truth that they may be saved. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Why? That they may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Look at this. Very very important. So the moment the Holy Spirit is taken away, you you have a famine of hearing. No widespread revelation. How do we guard this in the last days? How do we guard this? What will happen? You'll see this. The moment he's taken away, what happens? Proverbs chapter 1 verses 23 onwards. 23 to 28. 28, uh, sorry, 23 to 31. Turn at my rebuke. Who's saying that? I will pour out my spirit. God is saying, wisdom is saying, Jesus is saying. Surely I will pour out my spirit upon you and I will make my words known to you. But because I have called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded. Night, day after day, I am stretching out my hands to a rebellious and godless people. I refused. I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded. Verse 25. Because you disdained all my counsel. And you have none of my rebuke. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. And look at verse 30. 20, look at this judgment. Okay, When distress and anguish will come upon, come upon you. Verse 27. When, when your terror comes like a storm. And your destruction comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call on me. But I will not. They will seek me diligently, going to and fro, wandering to and fro, from sea to sea, sea, uh, sea to sea to sea, and all kinds of things. They will go from this conference to that conference, this deliverance meeting to another deliverance meeting to another deliverance meeting. The, uh, I mean, they'll go to the same deliverance meeting every year, every every year. You know that every year, same deliverance meeting. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Why? Because they hated. First thing, they hated knowledge. Second. They did not choose the fear of the Lord. And third, very important, they would have none of my counsel. That is the problem. They would have 
none of my concern. 814 Proverbs. Counsel is mine <laughs> and sound wisdom. I am understanding. You see, it is not I will give you understanding. I am understanding. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. In other words, when they have refused counsel, whom did they refuse? Spirit or Jesus himself. The spirit of Christ. It says, "He, if none of us... If, uh, okay. What, what does it say in uh, Romans chapter 8? It says, mm, the spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Okay. And he says, if you do not have the spirit of Christ, you do not belong to him. You do not belong to him. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I give you strength. Okay. 12.15 The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is right. That, that means you are set in your ways. You think that you are right. In a multitude of counselors, there is safety. And you disdain. You would have none of my counsel. You are right in your own eyes. That is the reason why it says well, in Proverbs chapter 30, there is a generation which is pure in its own eyes, but still has not been cleansed from their iniquity or their impurities. That's, that's a generation that we live in. A generation absolutely pure in their own eyes. 1920. Easy to remember. Listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. <laughs> you see? Receive counsel and mean listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. If you look at the KJV, it's very interesting. KJV itself, it gives you a the if you read the verse in different different renderings, you'll understand the word uh, the verse in much more detail. Hear counsel, receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. In other words, whenever you are making a decision, ask for counsel so that people who give you counsel will calculate where this is taking you. In five years time, three years time, two years time. I know exactly where you are going if you make this decision. Don't get upset about it. That your latter end may be wise. Understand this. Don't just think about now. What is comfortable now? Phew. That is the reason why I vote to you if you are Happy now. If you laugh now, later you will cry. Woe to your rich now. Later you will become poor. Because now we are a now generation. Instant coffee, instant everything. Now, now, counsel is mine. Receive instruction that you may be wise in the latter end, latter days. Yeah? 1920. What does 1921 say? <laughs> Interesting. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. You understand this? <laughs> and you will be safe. Many plans you will have in your, in your heart. Okay, I planned this, I planned this, I planned my future, I planned this, all my dreams. It is the Lord's counsel which will stand. Every, in other words, you make your plans, you go according to your plans, but that will not stand. The world and its fashions are 
passing away. He who does the will of God will abide forever. That is the reason why. Because you are receiving a kingdom that is not being shaken. Everything that can be shaken in your life will be shaken. So that whatever is of the Lord and because of his counsel only that will remain in your life. Therefore, heed Lord's counsel. And only that will stand. But you say, no, 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 no. I will make my own counsel. 2130. <laughs> Proverbs. There is no wisdom or understanding or counsel against the Lord. Oh, you make your plans. Oh, this is how I'm going to disobey God. And still hope that I'll make it. There is no wisdom, no understanding, no counsel against God. Counsel of the Lord, it will stand. Period. 2018. Plans are established by counsel. By counsel, wage war. Kya baat hai? Plans are established by counsel. By wise counsel, wage war. And these are days of war. Okay. We need counsel, guys. And you would have none of my counsel. I will also laugh and mock. And you will search me, but you will not find me. 27.9 Proverbs. Ointment and perfume delight the heart. And the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. Sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. And most of the time, that is not very sweet initially. Okay. Not very sweet. All troublesome. Oh, I'm depressed. I'm oppressed. I don't know what to do. Hello. <laughs> counsel has been given. You didn't like it. But you want counsel that will, that will somehow justify and establish you in your plan. But that will not be the counsel of God. Sorry. We can't change the word. I can't change the word for myself. I made a decision against God and I will say, Lord, help me in my decision. It's not going to happen. We all want God to meet us in our sin <laughs> and establish our sinful ways. God is not going to be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, so also he will reap. You understand that, everybody? Ointment. So don't despise the rebuke of God. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 12 to 14. Look at this. I mean, every time I read this verse, I, I, get, I get scared. And, and you say, how I hated instruction. And my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers. Not inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin. Where? Ah, in the midst of the church. Not outside. In the midst of the assembly and the congregation. Right, that's what I'm saying. Right there you could be under the most anointed preaching, but you can be experiencing a famine of the hearing of the word of God. Simply, you know why? Because you're despised and you will have none of his counsel.
important very important so if the holy spirit is gone all you will be left with is the letter <laughs> and what does the letter do <laughs> kill the letter kills but the spirit brings life that's what it says no second corinthians chapter 3 verses 4 to 6 if you will it says and we have such trust through christ towards you other translations will use the word confidence not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves but our sufficiency is from god who has made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant not of the letter but of the spirit for the letter kills but the spirit gives life so how do you know that you are a man of the letter but not of this a man of the spirit and not of the letter how you yourself can test test excuse me excuse me uh well i'll tell you romans chapter 2 if you want to know that you fear a man of the spirit of the letter or of the letter this is how you test excuse me just a minute please <clears throat> uh chapter 2 and verse 28 and 29 what does it say for he is not a jew who is one outwardly <laughs> okay if you are an outward person not outgoing person outward person okay outward person not circumcision that which is outward in the flesh but he is a jew who is one inwardly and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit not of the letter and so how do you know that you are not of the not of the letter but of the spirit your praise is from god and not men that is when you know that you are a man not of the letter but of the spirit what does god think about this there is no counsel no wisdom no understanding against god many are the plans of the people but god's counsel that will stand so when the spirit is removed all this is lost in other words maybe 6 7 roman chapter 7 verse 6 i like this but now having been delivered from the law having died to that which we are held by so that we should serve ah in the newness of the spirit not in the oldness of the letter you serve <laughs> i like that you don't obey you serve god you have a heart to serve in the newness of the letter and not in the old no, sorry newness of the spirit not in the oldness of the letter okay so set your mind on the things of the spirit right the problem is that so many people are still not of the spirit even after being born again the problem is that they are all born again but you cannot give the exposition of the spirit for them i'll show you 1 corinthians chapter 2 you cannot receive 1 corinthians chapter 2 and verse um, verse 14 to 16 and 3 1 to 
Okay. Natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Okay, now we will say that we are not natural men. We are born again. For they are foolishness to him, nor can they know him because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. But for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. And then he says in chapter 3 verses 1 to 3, chapter 3 verses 1 to 3, and I brothers could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as (laughs) carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you are not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. For you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like a mere man? Not, we are not just mere men. We are spiritual men. Okay, and we are not natural anymore. Okay, understand this. Alright. So, our Christian life begins... With hearing and is sustained by hearing and we end our life by hearing from God. You have finished the race, you have kept the faith and not what is waiting for you? The crown of righteousness. He heard from God. That is how he ends. It is continuous hearing. Though, see, why is our Christianity so different from every other religion? It's simply because we serve a God who speaks even now to all of us continually. If there is no God who does not speak, there is no Christianity. It will just be another set of rules, another tenets and we can choose. What is stopping us from becoming becoming Muslims? (laughs) Okay, oh yeah, great tenets of Christianity. All that is useless unless and until we have a continuous hearing hearing from God. It is the spirit which, sorry, uh, which brings life. The flesh profits nothing and the words that I speak to you, that is when Jesus was alive. And what is what is the Holy Spirit after Jesus is ascended? Now, what does He say to the church? He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say. And you understand that, no? So it is a Spirit which brings life. The flesh profits nothing. Our Christian life begins from hearing, with hearing, and we are sustained by hearing, and we will end by hearing. Every disciple was a result of what he heard. I'll show you. John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 35 to 37. Again, the next day, John stood with the two of his disciples and looking at Jesus in the word of God. Yeah, that's what I feel. I mean, I'm, 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 I, this is how I interpret it for myself. And looking at Jesus in the word of God, he said to all of you, behold the Lamb of God. That's what. That's exactly what I do every time. We, we we as preachers have to do. What, what are we supposed to do? We have to read the scriptures and we have to look at Jesus and you have to point you to Jesus and say, all of you, behold the Lamb of God. Then the two disciples ha, heard him speak and they followed Jesus. That is how discipleship begins. You don't, you don't follow me. You follow the Christ in me. If there is no Christ in me, forget me. Follow somebody else. understand? Every disciple was a product of hearing. (laughs) So what are these messages that we have to continuously hear? What are the three quintessential elements or ingredients of the message that we will constantly have to hear in order for us to 
here, continue to here, and end with hearing. Is let's go now to Acts chapter two. <laughs> that is where we started, and that is where we'll go. All this detour to bring you to that point so that you'll understand what I'm trying to say today this morning. Thirty-six onwards. Therefore, let all of the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified. Both Lord and Christ. And I like those, the next verse is powerful, no? What a word, what a verse it is. Now when they heard this, they were cut to their heart. Other translations will use the word pricked in their heart. Other, other translations will use, they were pierced in their heart. And said to Peter and to the rest of the disciples or the apostles, men and brothers, what shall we do? I want to, I want to just look at 37. Powerful, powerful, powerful. What did they hear? The message? Jesus whom you crucified. You see, we preach Jesus and him crucified a foolishness to those who are perishing, but unto us the wisdom of God and the power of God. Galatians chapter 3 verse 1 and 2. <clears throat> oh foolish, just one verse 1, that's enough. Okay, Verse 1. Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. You, I mean, this is powerful. You can just bisect every every word over there, every phrase. Oh, foolish Galatians. Judicians. Also, I mean, we all cannot be bewitched. What do you think? Huh. We are better than the Galatians? I don't think so. So whenever we read Galatians, we should put our place, put our name there. Oh, foolish. Whatever. Hmm? Who has bewitched you? We can all be bewitched, bewitched. That you should not obey the truth. That means you are disobeying now. Be what has happened to you? How was the gospel preached to you? Before your eyes, Jesus Christ, okay, this Jesus whom you crucified was clearly portrayed, portrayed among you as crucified. That is exactly the essence of every message. To, uh, so that it produces one result. That you will be pierced in your heart. The word for pierce occurs only twice in the New Testament. You know where else it occurs? When they take the spear and pierce it to Jesus' side. A.W. Tozer in his book, The Crucified Life, has to say this. Listen to, this, to these words very carefully. The words of Peter went further into the hearts of the hearers than the spear of the soldier went into the side of Jesus. So the Holy Spirit carried the spear point of truth into the hearts of the people and they cried, men and brothers, what shall we do? So what did they do? 
the very words that Jesus, that Peter spoke under the conviction and the anointing of the Holy Spirit pierced into the hearts of the people more deeper than the spear went through the heart of Jesus. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem. What? The spirit of grace and supplication. What will I pour out? Truly I will pour out my spirit upon you and I will make my words known to you. When the, when the Lord pours out the spirit of grace and supplication, what will, you, what will happen to you? Then they will look upon me whom they pierced. Yes, you know what the word pierced is? To be thrust through. Where does it occur? When Saul falls upon his own sword and the sword thrusts through his heart. This goes through. It goes deep down inside. In other words, literally God has to take away that heart of stone. Conviction of the Holy Spirit. Pierce. Has to happen. Continuously. When the Holy Spirit comes, He will, what will He do? He will convict the world of sin. Why? Because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. And then the Spirit is not there. There is no conviction. Not, not many people see Jesus being pierced. They don't think that Jesus had died for them. They don't think that it was them who pierced Jesus on the cross. They don't look upon him whom they pierced. My goodness. No, that's the very first time when I've actually heard the gospel. I remember so vividly. Really vividly. When the preacher was preaching the gospel, it was as if I could see Jesus on the cross and me being the person who pierced him on his side. And then what will happen? And yes, they will mourn for him as one who mourns for his ah that is interesting very very interesting Genesis chapter 22 verses 1 to 2 and 11 and 12 1 and 2 11 and 12 now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him Abraham and he said here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your, what? Only son, as one who mourns for his only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering and on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. It's exactly what has happened to them. As one mourns for his only son. And then again, go back to Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10. One mourns for his only son, and then one who grieves for a for a firstborn. <laughs> Exodus chapter 12, verse 12. You see that? For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment, for I am the Lord. And you know what he tells Israel? Israel, all your firstborn male child is mine. He was supposed to die. But in your place, my firstborn 
God sent his only son on the cross. And therefore they will look at him whom they have pierced and mourn for him who mourns for his only son and grieve for him if he has, as if he has lost his only firstborn. That means there will be a tremendous conviction for their sin. Now when will this happen? Now when will this happen? When will this really, really happen? How can we really, really be a church where we will be a set of people who will uphold these standards? Verse 5 of Isaiah chapter 6. So I said, what? Woe is me for I am, you know what for what undone is? In the Greek translation of the Hebrew New Testament, woe is me for I am pierced. That's the word. (laughs) Woe to me, I am pierced. Who's saying this, Baba? Isaiah. When did this happen? Let's read from verse 1 to 3. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and above it stood the seraphim. You know what the word for seraphim means? It occurs seven times in the entire New Testament, or Old Testament, seven times only. Seven times. The word for seraph. Seraph means a fiery serpent. Or a man set on fire. Ablaze. Ablaze. And what do they speak to one another? Verse 3. Holy one cried to another. So, let me tell you something. We are all in that sense should be what? Seraphim. Set a blaze. And what should we speak to one another? Holy, holy, holy. And when we do that, what will happen? First Corinthians chapter 14 verse 25 will happen. 24 onwards. 24 to 25. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced <laughs> by all and is Convicted by all and what does he do? And thus the secrets of his heart means he is what? Pierced. Because a bunch of seraphims like what? Peter, uh, Dr. Richard, uh, what's his name? Uh, Samuel and Vijay. What are we doing? We are speaking to one another in Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 language. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 language. What is happening in Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 language? Mm. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Teaching and admonishing one another. How? In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And we are doing it. You know what happens? One fellow comes. And what happens? The secrets of his heart are revealed. And what does he do? He will fall flat on his face and he will say, Woe is me, I am undone. If we become a church like that, a people set on place and speaking to one another and saying, holy, holy, holy. You know what will happen? Even Isaiah's will come and say, 
commander. What a challenge. What a challenge. See, this is when, we'll, when we will really, really cry out, <laughs> woe is me. This is when piercing will really happen. A lot many people get pierced, no? That way. Why? Simply because maybe there is no separation. Let a word of Christ dwell in you richly. How? In all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another. With psalms and hymns. Think about every, every meeting we have. Like when we talk to each other. Oh Lord, good to God we have these kinds of meetings. Don't talk junk and we talk about this. What will happen? One fellow will come. Are you, what are you guys discussing? And when you speak to each other as to what God did in your lives and what God spoke to you. And you say, Lord, and every word that comes out of your mouth exalts the holiness of God. You're totally, totally raptured and captured by the, by the attributes of God. <laughs> and He's dwelling in you richly. When you speak to one another, that fellow will come. Well, say, Baba, either only who can dwell in the midst of Everlasting burnings. Either he will cry and repent or he will run for his life. He will be convinced by all. Convicted by all. I like that. It is not just because of the pastor. That is the reason why they say don't fall asleep in the meeting so that you all agree which is what, which is what, what is being taught. Okay. Look at each other and say I was fired up. And yes, every time, you know, when somebody, something hits you and you look at each other and you, you know, that's a good thing. What are you saying? Holy, holy God, almighty. <laughs> that's exactly what you're doing. Because it's, been, it's cutting your heart. It's piercing your heart. See? Problem. Numbers chapter 21. <laughs> Let's see this. Verse uh, 4 onwards. When they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, the soul of the people became very discouraged. The word, word, words, actually the original words translation says, they became very impatient on the way. The problem is that they got discouraged, they got impatient simply because they sowed impatience and discouragement. They never, they were impatient with Moses when he went on to the top of the mount. How long should we wait for this fellow Moses? He is not your fellow. What is that fellow? Royal fellow. Uh, fellowship. He is not in your fellowship. He is a different guy. He is on top of the mountain. You fellows are here. Here. You have no idea what is going on there. He is not your fellow. You have still not graduated to that level that you can call him your fellow. What fellow means? Fellow means... A bu- he, he, yeah, buddy buddy, essentially. That's right. In Art Katz's language. Buddy buddy. He's not your buddy. He's not one of you. He's not one of you. He's there on, the, on top of the mountain, receiving from God, hearing from God. You fellows are not interested. You call him a fellow. You are fellows. He is not your fellow. <laughs> you have to, you fellows have to follow him, not fellow him. Okay. Seriously, it's a fact. Then they have 
journeyed from Mount Hor and then what happened? They become discouraged, became impatient by the way. And what did they say? And Moses and people spoke against God and against Moses. This is exactly the reason why God has to send something. What, what do they say? Why have you brought us up? I'm telling the age-old problem. I told you, no, Adam, Madam, you get. Why have you brought us up? Out of Egypt. Why did you save us from slavery of sin? Why did you deliver us from the oppression of the devil? We were happy there under his oppression. Comfortable in our sin. That is the kind of words which you have to use. Why did you save us from our sin? Equivalent language, no? You save us, you saved us from our sin to die? Are we saved you from your sin so that I can save you from the penalty of sin. From the why the wages of sin is what? Death. What do many people think Christian life is death? They think meaning death meaning all the deaths to all these pleasures and so uncomfortable this is, Baba. We'll come to that later on. For there is no food, there is no water, and our soul loathes this worthless manna. Yo 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 yo. And so what does the Lord send? Seraphs. That's what fiery serpents mean. Seraphim. <laughs> Among the people and they bit the people and many of the people of Israel died. And then what has happened? Next verse. Verse 9, verse 7 and 8. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. Start with confession. For we have spoken against and ah, a lot of people only say, oh Lord, I sinned against you. No, 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 no. You sinned against the Lord and you also sinned against man. And that's the reason I tell you, no, relationships are not very easy. The fewer you have, the better, actually. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but unfortunately, we can't have you. <laughs> right? Okay. So, some relationships you cannot help. Some you have to choose. You have spoken against Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. So, the Mo- so Moses prayed and the Lord said, what? Make a fiery serpent and put him out of a hole. And that's exactly what God tells Nicodemus. Jesus tells Nicodemus, if I, just as Moses lifted up the bronze serpent in the wilderness so that everyone who looked upon the servant was saved, so shall the son of man be lifted up. The message of the cross. And you should look upon whom you have pierced. And then you will be saved. He became sin for us. So that you could become the righteousness of God in him. He became a curse for us. So that we could become, that we could inherit the blessing of Abraham. And received the prom- receive the promise of the spirit. He became poor. So that we might be made rich. Understand that? Beauty for ashes. Oil of gladness. And the spirit of uh, all of glad, for a spirit of heaviness, etc. That's a great exchange. So we have to look upon him whom we have pierced. And what happens? First thing, those who heard it, they were pierced in their heart. They were thrust through with a sword of the word of God. It has to go through us. It has to come out on the other side. That is what thrusting through means.
for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We know it very well. But 14 and 15 is very rare. People know. What does verse 14 and 15 say? 3, 14 to 16. John's Gospel, chapter 3. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son as that fiery serpent who really upheld the holiness of God. That's the reason why I was telling you on Sunday. On the cross, God was, all the attributes of the God were agreeing with each other. Mercy of God was not fighting the justice of God. The mercy of God was agreeing with the justice of God. The love of God was agreeing with the truth of God. The long-suffering and the patience and the whatever attributes of God were agreeing with every aspect of his divine justice, of his wrath, everything. Everything upon the cross was agreeing. Every attribute of God was agreeing. You should understand this. This is very, very important. When we look upon him whom we have pierced, there's a conviction that happens. What happens to us? We say, Lord, I'm undone. For I'm a man of unclean lips. That's immediately confession comes out. Confession comes out. And that is the reason why what we have to have, be a bunch of guys in this church in these last days, not just one people or two people, a bunch of young believers, old believers, whatever, whoever is interested in this kind of a lifestyle, speaking to one another and upholding the righteousness and the holiness of God in our own life. So when people come, an unbelieving man fellow comes, an uninformed man comes, two people, unbelievers and uninformed. Two kinds of fellows will come to church. Unbelievers can come. Believers who are uninformed will also come. 14, 24 and 25. See that? I'm not saying anything new. Second, First Corinthians 14, 24 and 25. 14. First Corinthians 14, 24 and 25. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes, he's convinced by all and he's convicted by all. You know why? Because all of you are speaking to one another as what? You're all seraphs. Holy, holy, holy. How do you have? You're, with two eyes, you're covering your eyes. Two, you're covering your feet. And two, you're flying. That means you're people not of the earth. Your hand, you're, you're not on earth. Meaning what? You're not touch. You're not, you're not allowing your feet to touch the earth. Meaning you, you're not people of the earth. You're people of, of the spirit and of heaven. And what are you speaking to one another? Holy, holy. Holy. And when you see this in a church, what will happen? Boy, uninformed people, unbelievers come and will be cut to their heart. And they'll be convinced by all and convicted by all. The Holy Spirit inside of you will convince that fellow. And the Holy Spirit inside of you will convict that fellow. And the secrets of his heart will be revealed. <laughs> and so, falling down. You look at that fellow. I know what you did yesterday. Can you imagine? That kind of a church? start trembling. Oh, Jesus is not the true way. He is not the only God. I know what you did yesterday with your wife. And you are coming and arguing with me. But Jesus is not the only way. The Spirit of God revealed this, this about you. The demonstration of Spirit and of 
power. Finished. Gone. All apologetics, apologetics out of the window. No argument. That's what I'm saying, no? There is no wisdom, no counsel, no understanding against God. Period. Full stop. So, first thing is what? The preaching of the cross has to be preached. What should you preach? The preaching of the cross. Preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So that's the first point. What they hear? They heard the message of the cross. And we have to continuously hear the message of the cross. That's how it starts. Discipleship starts. And we have to constantly keep hearing. The cross before me, the world behind me. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Galatians chapter 6 verse 4. First chapter 2 verse 20. And we know this, no? I have been crucified. Those who are Christ have crucified. Check, check. Can you hear me? Yeah. All right. Sorry for the interruption. So, first message is a message of the cross. I mean, that has to be constantly preached. That's the first ingredient. In that message, there's several other parts of the message of the cross. And let's go back now to Acts chapter 2 verse uh, 37. And then we'll read the the subsequent verses. Now when they heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And what happens? Once you have the conviction of the Holy Spirit, what brings is mourning. How do you mourn? Zechariah chapter 12 verses 10, 11 and 12. I like that. And I will pour out on the house of David, on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and the spirit of supplication. Then they will look upon me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. And then, in that day there shall be a great mourning in Jerusalem. Like the mourning at Hadad Rimon in the plain of Megiddo. What, where is this place? This is the place when Josiah, where Josiah died. And everybody were mourning, especially uh, at that moment, Jeremiah writes a lamentation for him. Okay. 
because he, he, they, they, were, they were thinking that he was going to be the savior. Right? And verse 12. And the land shall mourn. Every family by itself shall mourn. Okay, the family of the house of David by itself and their wives by. That means everybody will individually start mourning. Okay. The family of the house of Nathan by itself and their wives by themselves. <laughs> and the next verse, next verse, verse 13. Shimei also will be, will be mentioned over. The family of the house of Levi by itself and the wives by themselves. The family of Shimei by itself and their wives by themselves. All the families that remain, every family by itself and their wives by themselves. That's what, what will be they doing? They will be mourning. That's what we call as godly sorrow, which brings what? Repentance. What will it do? It will bring about repentance. And you know what? Repentance has four ingredients. Actually, five ingredients. What can really repentance does? It brings about five important things in your life. We know it very well, but we'll look at it once again. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 onwards. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 onwards. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach patient and in humility correcting those who are in opposition if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that first they should be able to know the truth. First they will know the truth. Okay. And then second they will come to their senses. Suddenly they will be hit. And that's exactly what happens to especially if you listen to Muslim testimonies. No? They have been told a lie over and over and over again. Suddenly the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes on their, comes into their lives and they are knocked on their head and suddenly they come to their senses. And the very God they were blaspheming, suddenly they will say, Oh Lord, what did I do? So they will know the truth, they will come to their senses. Meaning what all the senses do we have? Their eyes will see, your ears will hear, your tongue will taste, you will taste and see that the Lord is good and you will experience the presence you will come to their senses and then what happens first you will know the truth second you will come to your senses third you will escape the trap of the devil you will see where all the the devil has great traps especially the trap of pride and self-righteousness oh how great you thought about yourself turn to Job chapter 34 Thirty-three. Okay, sorry. Thirty-four. Oh, one second, please. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Thirty-two. Job chapter thirty-two. Verse 1 and 2. <laughs> you look at what it says. So these three men seized. Okay, he had a uh, shoe height. Something, some three, three, three heights were there. Okay, three of his friends. I forget their names. Okay. So these three men ceased answering Job because he was, what? Righteous in his own eyes. Then the wrath of Elihu, the son of Barakel, the Buzite, of the family of Ram was aroused against Job. This is not the son of Ram, okay? This is not Ram Bhakt, this is another Ram. Okay. The wrath of Elihu, the son of Barachel, 
the Buzite of the family of Ram was aroused against Job. His wrath was aroused because he justified himself rather than God. And then you see that Elihu's... By the way, this, when whenever you read the account of Job, when Job is mourning, it says three of his friends came. And the fourth one is not even mentioned. Till this chapter. Till this chapter, the fourth one is not even mentioned. And Job cannot even answer the fourth fellow. He's like John the Baptist, who's preparing him for the ultimate, yeah, the way of the Lord is being prepared to so, to meet the ultimate maker. So Elihu comes and gives him left, right and center. And he has no, he cannot refute his argument at all. Because he was right in his own eyes. He was absolutely blinded by self-righteousness and pride. And then, 42. Verse 1 to 3. Oh, 1 to 5 actually. 1 to 5, 1 to 6. Then Job answered and, and the Lord said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. I'm shutting my mouth, Baba. <laughs> you asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you, and you shall answer me. <laughs> and he says, verse 5 and 6, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. What has happened? He has come to his senses. Therefore, I, I abhor myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. Elihu prepares the way, and finally God confronts him. That's exactly what happens to us also. Finally, God confronts us. Somebody prepares the way, God confronts us, and what happens? We repent. We come to our senses and we escape the what of the devil, the snare of self-righteousness and pride has been escaped. We come to our senses, we escape the snare of the devil and then verse, let's go back to Second Timothy chapter chapter 2 verse 24, 20, 25 actually, 25, 26. 25, 26. Okay. That they, come, they might come to their senses, 26. Escape the snare of the devil. Having been Taken captive. That means you now are loosed from the captivity of the devil. Doing what? His will. What his will is your will. You are doing your will. Essentially you are doing his will. You escape the snare of the devil. And you escape. You are, you've been released from the captivity to do your own will. Now he says we can... You can hopefully say, like John 7, 17, if anyone wills to do his will, I want to will to do God's will. That is repentance. Okay. Let's go back now to Acts chapter 2, <coughs> verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were men, uh, 38, men and brethren, what shall we do? And verse 38 will say, and Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and what will happen? Verse 39 onwards now. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from his perverse, from this perverse generation and verse 41 is important, which will be the second part of this today's message. Then those who gladly receive, uh, you know, every other translation takes out the word gladly. 
would look at uh, gladly received as word were baptized and that day about 3000 men were added okay post 41 in uh, let's say niv And those who accepted his message. And ESV. Then those who received his word. And then uh, NSV also. Unfortunately. I thought NSV was the holier translation. And then those who had received his word. But only KJV and NKJV will use the word. Gladly accepted the word. And that is so significant my dear brothers. That word gladly is so significant. Significant. Go back to NKJV now. The holiest of today's translation. Then those who gladly received the word. You know what the word for gladly is? Those who considered. Gladly means the word comes from the, the root word is hedon. Hedonist. <laughs> from which we get the modern John Piper term called Christian hedonism. So what did they do when they looked at the word? Now suddenly their spiritual palettes were opened up and they started enjoying this message of what? Be saved from this? Ah, perverse generation. The message of the word of God was more pleasurable than the riches of this world. So they said, we all want to become what now? Christian hedonists. That is what gladly received means. Luke's gospel chapter 8 verse 14. <laughs> Look at that word. Luke's gospel chapter 8 verse 14. The 8 14, 8 14, not 14, eh? 8 14. Now the ones that fell upon the thorns are those when they heard, got out and are choked with the cares, riches and the hedonisms. That's the word. Pleasures, from the hedonisms of life. They become, I mean, they like to enjoy the pleasures of this life. And they bring no fruit to maturity. They don't receive the word gladly. They don't enjoy God's word anymore. You see, you, if you are really, truly searching for the word of God, no, any language you will enjoy. Yeah, somebody was telling me the other day, I got an e- email from some some people in the new in New York saying we're going to tune in for uh, the evening Telugu message. I'm like, what are they going to understand? But they enjoy it. You know why? The palettes have been opened because they follow, of course, the the verses on the screen. You can enjoy the word in Nepali too. So many times we enjoy it, right? In Hindi, Nepali, I know you sing the sung songs in Nepali. Dada haro koshi bai kit gai raramai. We enjoy that. We, I mean, it's, it's uh, that song, no? We, we, uh, what, what is, Tapaiko Sparsh. What is that? Sikhanos Prabhu. Sikhanos Prabhu. What a song it is, man. What a song. And even the Nepalese didn't know it, unfortunately. What a song! Somehow, the pleasures of enjoying God's word. Sikhanos Prabhu. Tapeko Hirna. Something like that. Tapeko Sparshika Anandma. Something like that. I enjoy the touch that I... Uh, I, I, I want to touch your 
presence or something like that. I don't know. Maybe that's Sparsh's touch. Right? Sparsh ka matlab kya touch hai na? You enjoy it. And this guy enjoys singing. Can you imagine? He is from the south of Israel. So he enjoys it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You see? Enjoying. 15, 16, Jeremiah. Look at this. I mean, this is uh, Jeremiah. Your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart for I called, for I am called by your name, O the Lord God of hosts. Can you imagine what kind of word he was hearing? Judgment, judgment, judgment. Are I heard your words of judgment and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Those who gladly receive. See how important the word gladly is? Hmm? So, what do, how do we treasure God's word? It's important. Proverbs chapter 2. Let us read from verses 10, 1 to 10. I love these series of verses. Okay. My son, if you receive my words and treasure, you just don't receive now, you start treasuring them. This is something which I can invest on. No amount of money can actually uh, compare compare itself with this. No, Treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom, apply your heart to understanding and then if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and you search for it as hidden treasures you see when you find some gold in your room can you imagine somehow your landlord must have put some things i don't know i mean in your in landlord's garden suddenly you did something and suddenly gold came out <laughs> can you imagine for the lord so and you will then you will understand the fear of the lord and you'll find the knowledge of god for the lord gives wisdom for his mouth from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. In verse 7, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice. He preserves the way of his saints. In verse 9 and 10, then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity and every good path. Verse 10, when wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul. Verse 11, discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you to deliver you from the way of the evil man. From the man who per- speaks perverse things. Because there are so many people who will start speaking perverse things now. Okay, and verse 14. 13. Uh, those, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked. Verse 15. Whose ways are crooked and what devious in their paths to deliver you from the immoral woman. From the seductress who flatters with her words. Who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For our house leads to death and our paths to the dead. That's enough. See? Always just to be pleasant. You have to gladly receive. What is that word? Save yourself from this untoward perverse generation. Save yourself from this world, Baba. Save yourself from this world. And what should you do? Oh, this is beautiful to my lips. And when your words found, I ate them and they were a joy of heart 
and joy and gladness of my heart. For I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. Okay. So how do we receive the word of God? Eleven twenty four Hebrews twenty four and twenty five. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the Pharaoh's son, Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. The passing pleasures of sin. Passing pleasures. I want what pleasures? Eternal pleasures at your present at your pres- at your presence is fullness of joy and ple- and your at, at your right hand there are pleasures for evermore. Okay, the only way to fight pleasure is with pleasure. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Okay, expulsive power of a competing affection. Okay, you fight pleasure with pleasure. Okay, not with withholding yourself. Okay, pleasure has to be fought with pleasure. <coughs> Amen. All right, let's so let's go to the next one. So, what should you do? First, you have to receive his words gladly. You have to first you have to, you have to hear the word, which will prick your heart. That means you have to repent. And su- second, you have to receive the word gladly. What is the word that you have to receive? A message of separation from this world. A message of keeping yourself separate from this world. A message of separation. That is where many people fall. But Galatians chapter six verse four. Uh, sorry, 6.14, sorry, 6.14, thank you. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. A lot of people will be, will be the enemies of the cross. Okay. The God is their belly. The mind is on earthly things. Whose end is destruction. Then, Acts chapter 2, verse uh, 41 again, onwards. And those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added, and they continued steadfastly. This is important. First, you have to be, you have to constantly keep hearing the message of repentance, you know, your convictions have to come every day. I mean, every, every message that you hear or every time we have a discussion. Sometimes sometimes when we, were, when we were discussing, we were getting convicted, right? Oh, so many times we got convicted like that. Just because somebody said something and that guy doesn't even know that he said that and that thing will convict you. And you'll say, gee, gee, let me go and repent now. This is what, that's what we are talking about. Constant convictions which leads to repentance. Second, constant separation hearing, separating yourself from uh, the things of this world, from this perverse generation, from this untoward generation. And third, continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Okay? Continuing steadfastly. Just not (laughs) hearing once. Continuing. And you have to be steadfast. Steadfastly, diligently in the apostles' doctrine. And fellowship and of the breaking of bread and press. But doctrine is something which I want to talk about today. 
Why? Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 to 4. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing at his kingdom. He's going to judge the living and the dead. Uh, KJV uses the word the quick and the dead. Quickly he will judge in other words. I don't know why they use the word quick. Okay, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convict, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For long suffering you need long suffering only because you have to keep on teaching and teaching and teaching. Okay and then for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables or stories or all kinds of other things. Time is coming. Then they will not be able to endure. Sound doctrine. Therefore, what should we do? What should we do? We should continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And how should we continue steadfastly to the apostles' doctrine? Romans chapter 6. And if you know me, for this time, verse 16 onwards. 616. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? You are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. And then, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart to that form of doctrine to which you were. That's interesting, isn't it? I delivered him to Satan. It's the same word actually, by the way. And you have delivered yourself to? Doctrine, yeah. That means no, no. what has taken hold of you? The doctrine of Christ has taken hold of you. Until that happens. Meaning, it's a very powerful verse in Philippians chapter 3. I will take hold of him for which Christ has taken hold of me. Meaning now I have been absolutely controlled by the word of God. And therefore, whenever somebody speaks to me, what am I hearing? I am hearing the voice of God. There's no famine in my life. I'm being fed and may I be quenched. You know why? Because I exalted the word of God in my life. I'm delivering myself to the teaching of the word of God. Surrendering myself completely to the apostles' doctrine. And how do I know that I'm surrendering myself to genuine doctrine? Verse 18. You're being set free from sin. You become slaves of righteousness. That is what happens. You're being controlled continuously set free to do what is right, what is true freedom, what you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Let us go to John's Gospel chapter 8, verse 30 onwards please. 30, 31, 32, etc. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Who are these people among the Jews? Okay. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed, if you abide, meaning Deliver yourself. How do you deliver yourself to the word of God? Meditate upon it. What? Day and night. Don't just read it. Meditate upon it day and night. 
meditate just when you re- listen to one word try to just make sense of it and ask the spirit of god lord i have received the anointing from the holy spirit and that anointing which is true from the holy spirit he lead me to all truth lord lead me to truth speak to my heart open up the scriptures for me so that i will understand your voice and i will know exactly what you're trying to t- trying to t- uh, speak to my heart Okay, and as he spoke these words, many believed in him. And Jesus said to those who, who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my, what indeed? Disciples indeed. Okay. Why do many people don't hear? Simply because they are not disciples. Matthew chapter 13, verse 13. Onwards. Okay, verse uh, 13. Therefore I speak to them in parables. So whenever the word of God comes to them, it's like a parable. Meaning it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a puzzle that they don't understand. They cannot decode it. They say, it's a very nice uh, example. No, but they didn't understand. Kitna achcha example pastor ne diya. But kya samjhe uske baare mein? Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not understand, not, not hear, nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will not hear, shall not understand, and seeing you will not see and not perceive. And I was actually, uh, verse 12 actually, 13, 12 also. Uh, verse 11, I think, 13, 11. Why do you speak to them in parables? If I'm right. Ah, exactly. He answered to them and he says, because it has been given to you. Who are these you? disciples. So if you abide in my word, you will be my disciples indeed. And what what, does, what does it say? Let's go back now. John's Gospel chapter 8. Now, the next verses. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Or shall you make, you shall make you free. So what happens when you surrender yourselves to the, doc, to, to the teaching? To the genuine teaching of the word of God. Where you have five ingredients. Convince, exhort, rebuke with all long suffering and teaching. Convince, exhort, rebuke and another one. With all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when people will not endure sound teaching. It says, uh, yeah, uh, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching or doctrine. So, and how do you know? I'm being set free from sin and I'm becoming a slave of righteousness. What has, what has happened now? I've been taken over by the teaching of the word of God and I've become a slave of righteousness. What does a slave do? Does he have any rights? No. Even if he wants to do something which he, which he doesn't want, he cannot do it because he's a slave become a slave of righteousness. And then you know what happens? You will continue to hear. My dear brothers, we are coming to a point in these last days where everyone has to hear. You can't rely upon somebody else's leading. As many as are led by the sons of God, by the Spirit of God are called the sons of God. We are no longer under I mean, it's not that uh, we don't have mentorship, nothing. I'm not uh, saying that. I'm saying that we should come to a point where we hear clearly from God. Voice of God comes to us clear every day. Lord, 
If you don't speak, what will happen to me? Yeah, I'm, I'm gone. So what kind of an attitude should we have? Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 2, please. One, one attitude and then we will stop for the day. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Verse 1, and then verse 9. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And verse 9. Before, therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if he calls you that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Or what the word for hearing is? Shama. And you have two meanings for the word hear. Shama is to hear, and Shama is to obey. Shama is to hear, and Shama is to obey. And if we do not hear and obey, slowly the Spirit of the Lord will be withdrawn from our lives. And what, lab, what happened to Saul will happen to us as well. First Samuel chapter 14, verse 37. Sorry, not 14, 37. First Samuel chapter 13, verses 13 and 14. First, 13 and 14. First Samuel chapter 13, verse 13 and 14. Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. When did he do foolishly? When you offered the sacrifice, you have not kept the commandment of the Lord, your God, which he commanded you. For, for, for now the Lord would have established your kingdom for, over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And what does it say about Jesus, about David? David fulfilled God's purpose in his generation. You know what actually it says in Telugu? Uddesh. The intent of God in his generation. He fulfilled the intentions of God in his generation. And he rested with his forefathers. And that's the first warning. 1437. 1 Samuel. So Saul asked counsel of God. Shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you deliver them into, the, into your hand? But he did not answer him. My goodness. You inquire of the Lord and he doesn't answer you. What do you do? Ah, let's go. Let's do it anyway. Stop. Warning signs. 15, 17 to 19. So Samuel said, When you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel and did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Okay, go on. Now the Lord has sent me on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight them, fight against them until they are consumed. And why did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And what does he say? Verse 20. But I have. Huh, the Saul said, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. First Samuel chapter 28. Verses 4 to 6. First Samuel chapter 28, verses 4 to 6. 
Then the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel together and they encamped in, in Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. Oh, wow. There's a famine of hearing the words of God. And what does he do immediately? Oh, find me a medium. Can you imagine that? What should he do, Lord? Only you are mine. At least at that moment, like Manasseh, <laughs> he would have cried out, Lord, please, Lord, speak to me. My dear brothers, the Holy Spirit withdrew from him. And there was no hearing anymore. Let us not come to that point. Let us hear and obey. When we are convicted, let us repent. When we are exhorted, let us separate. And let us continue steadfastly as the apostles doctrine and teaching. Three things. Convicted, repent. Exhorted to separate, separate. Third thing, let us continue steadfastly in the Apostles' doctrine so that you abide in the word. When the word of God abides in you, you should know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. Let's pray. <coughs> Father, we just thank you, Father, for this day. Father, we want to take your word seriously. Seriously, let not the famine of the word of God come into our lives, O Lord. The famine of hearing. Because the Holy Spirit has been withdrawn from us. <coughs> and as you have exhorted, O Lord, us in the book of Hebrews, today if you hear his voice, as the Holy Spirit says, do not harden your heart. <coughs> and one day, you will be withdrawn and the man of lawlessness will be revealed and many will run to and fro but they will not find a word which will satisfy their hunger and quench their thirst. And you said, O Lord, in your word, do not labor for the food which perishes but labor for the food which satisfies you and gives you eternal life. For I am the word that has come down from heaven. And this morning, O oh Lord, grant us the grace not to grieve your Holy Spirit, not to quench your Holy Spirit, not to insult your Holy Spirit, <coughs> but as enable us to respond to the convictions and the proddings of the Holy Spirit in our lives constantly. that and I pray that Lord that you would bless us. Bless us O oh Lord. Bless us O oh Lord. Whom else can we go to? You and you alone have the words of life. Don't stop speaking to us. And let us not become dull of hearing. Grant us grace to that and we pray. We thank you Lord. We praise you. For in Jesus name. Amen.